the baby food aisle was all fruit. It's just carbs, 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 carbs. Hey everyone, I'm Morgan, co-founder of Primal Kitchen and host of the Primal Kitchen podcast. Today, I'm chatting with entrepreneur Joe Carr, who co-founded Serenity Kids Baby Food with his wife, Serenity. Serenity Kids is a fast-growing, nutrient-dense baby food company that's taking the wellness world by storm. Serenity Kids is made from pasture-raised meats, sourced from small American family farms, organic vegetables, and high-quality oils, and we get to hear all about the journey thus far. Before we get started, a brief reminder, any and all opinions and views shared by hosts and guests of this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the view of Primal Kitchen or its affiliates or parent company. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hello, what's up, Primal fam? <laughs> so good to have you. We've been like, I don't know, I would say brand friends for a long time and what you guys are doing. Yeah. And we're just super happy to have you on. We can't wait to hear the story. So give me the lowdown. How did you and Serenity meet and what took you down this path? Yep. Yes, Serenity and I actually met through a personal growth group that we were both in. She was brought in to uh, speak about the paleo diet. This was like eight or nine years ago. So paleo diet was a lot, you know, it was it's, it was growing, but it was still a little new. And uh, I fell in love with paleo and her at the same time. And she introduced paleo to me. And that really helped, uh, was the final linchpin in helping me integrate uh, my autism. I'm uh, autistic, wasn't diagnosed as a kid, so had a lot of, uh, you know, was found my own way, hence being involved in, in personal growth stuff uh, to figure that out. And diet played a big role for, for me there. And I had also played a big role for her in her health journey. She was a super sick kid and, you know, tons of antibiotics, tons of sugary processed foods, and just killed her gut. She just had really severe, what we know now as leaky gut. And she had to take prescription medicine just to eat without pain. And she got tired of that. It was like, there's got to be another way. And discovered paleo in the very early days. Actually, read, read Mark Sisson's book was the, one of the first books she, she read in her health journey and realized paleo was the way. It really, really helped her. And um, she had started coaching people to help them heal through food and was doing these speeches to gain to find more coaching clients. And I met her through that. Uh, and fell in love. And uh, that kind of leads to how we started the company. I love it. So you, I, I have like so many questions. So you got, what was this personal growth group? I, I like need in on that. Our listeners want to know like what personal growth group they can join and meet their future spouse. This is so, right. I'm so curious. For sure. Well, this one doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Uh, so it's not, not around, but, um, but you know, we're both still really involved. She was really involved in one called the Art of Feminine Presence, which cool. works with one connecting with their their inner feminine uh i'm really involved with the mankind project that works with men on uh teaching power with compassion and so we kind of have our respective groups now but those are both still awesome groups uh it, you know that people can join i love it so cool um okay before we get into this running story you got to talk to me about like the autism diagnosis and how this yeah. all came up for you as an adult and i i like knew that a little bit about you i remember hearing part of the story but i want to i want you to break it down for me sure yeah, so as a kid, uh, I had a really big energy. I was larger than life. Uh, I took over classrooms, friend groups, you know, just really, really intense. And uh, that really alienated both teachers and kids alike like this. Teachers didn't like me. I was in trouble all the time. Kids didn't like me. I was always messing up their games or trying to, dom you know, take over what they were doing. And my mom tried, got, you know, had me evaluated for different stuff. They called me ADHD. 
If that really wasn't accurate, the meds didn't help at all, none of that treatment helped at all. They didn't know enough about autism at the time to understand that's what was going on. So I think my official diagnosis was obnoxious. I was just obnoxious. And so, you know, it was just my mom finally trying everything, discovered theater, that theater, the performing arts was my gift. What we now know as, you know, my autistic special interest. Now, and I was very gifted on stage. That big energy was great on stage, very hard in a classroom, but awesome in a a theater. And so that got me through my childhood, really doing a lot of performing and had that was my outlet. And in college, I was having trouble with dating. It it seems so easy for everyone else. And there's all the boys and girls in college, you know, hooking up and all that. And I was having a lot of hard time. Like I, you know, what worked for me in high school wasn't working for me in college. And uh, went to uh, like the, the campus therapist around like what what is wrong with me like why can't I you know um, why are these interactions with girls so hard and that that guy figured it out he was the one who figured out that um, he called it Aspergers at the time yeah uh, which is now now known as just autism but that yeah. originally called me Aspergers and and it made a little sense I was like oh so all these things I love about myself my ability to go against the grain, my uh, creative mind, my sharp thinking, my ability to focus really intensely on stage or ability to memorize lines and songs and that kind of thing was the flip side of my issues with impulse control and social interaction, um, you know, and sitting still or, or attention. Uh, and so that was real liberating for me to know like, oh, these things I love about myself are part of these things that are frustrating on myself and I can integrate all that. So I didn't really do very much with it for a while, but in the last you know five or ten years, I've really embraced it a lot more and been outspoken a lot more about autistic adults and, and how we what we offer to society and how we can be more inclusive as a society for people of all different neurodivergent brain types, including autism. Wow, that's like so fascinating. How like I mean, was that like were you devastated or were you kind of like relieved? It was a relief. It was super relieved. Yeah, yeah, I was devastated as a kid all the time. You know, there's so much trauma, so much shame, so much, I mean, really painful to be excluded, to be punished all the time. So I had a lot of healing that I still have to do around that. Uh, but it, but yeah, the autism diagnosis at the time was really, or Asperger's or whatever, was really helpful. It's like, oh, I know. Yeah. And then I could learn more about it. And now I have people, you know, that are like, that are different like me. Yeah. So that was really great. And diet has like a big, did diet have a big component for you? Like, did you, does that kind of, I don't know. Took how a while. Did, yeah, I did yeah. not know it at the time. And of course that therapist didn't know anything about that. But right. now, yes, I started experimenting with diet later in life and then meeting Serenity and the paleo diet being the real, like, oh, this is the one. Because I've tried veganism, vegetarianism, and I played around with low carb stuff. And I kind of identified that I didn't really need grains, that that was sort of a silly food group that wasn't necessary. But I still ate them like everybody. So really when I, understanding paleo, like that optimal human diet, like what are, what is the least inflammation? What's the, the, the most digestible? It's going to give me the most energy. I'm very sensitive to chemicals, very sensitive to inflammation. And so learning that, oh, I can just cut out all these inflammatory foods and focus on nutrient dense foods really had me feel a lot more grounded, a lot more present and uh, just be able to enjoy life more. Yeah, it's fascinating. I was like reading this one study about how I feel like we've thrown this ADHD diagnosis on so many things. Like 
there some some people are saying like oh sleep apnea can cause behavior like ADHD and like they don't even yeah. test for sleep apnea and then these poor kids are like getting diagnosed with ADHD yes. like put on medication and never really understanding like the root of where the behavior and feelings come from. And just too much sugar can make it yeah. in the diet can make it seem like so again as ADHD like all the symptoms of of sugar spikes and crashes and what do they feed all these kids at school for breakfast oh. you know. Horrendous sugar, carbs, carbs, carbs all day long. And so, you know, there's, there's all kind of other, you know, trauma can be misinterpreted as ADHD. Like if they're traumatized, a lot of kids have trauma parents don't even know about, Yeah. you know, and no parent really wants to accept the fact that their kid might have been traumatized and they don't really want to know. And so they don't look into that. So yes, it's a, it's a blanket diagnosis that is way overused and stigmatized and medicated. And, you know, some kids just need to be in nature more. There's all these studies on kids. They just put kids in nature for an hour a day and all their ADHD symptoms go away. Yeah. I mean, it's like, hello. Uh, yeah. Well, kudos to you for like being so outspoken about it. I think that's like super cool and maybe helpful for a lot of folks who have experienced like a similar thing and just don't have yeah. any like one they can even relate to publicly. So I love that you've yeah. like opened up about this. I think it's really cool. Um, okay. So you guys meet, you fall in love, you're yeah. on the paleo diet and yeah. all these things are going on. So then what prompts you to decide to launch this company? So we, I've always wanted to have kids. I drew pictures of my future children when I was five. Uh, still have God, I love it. So always yeah. wanted to have kids. And um, so, so certainly I got more serious. That was like the first thought we were, you know, getting older. It's like, let's let's have a baby we weren't even married yet like she had been married before didn't didn't want to be married again i was like i don't i'd love to be married but i don't really need to be i really just want a baby so so we were planning to, to start we were planning to start trying to get pregnant and we were at paleo fx in 2016 and she just I was there. Terrible. I was at Paleo. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. You were there. <laughs> she said, let's go find the baby stuff. There's got to be some really fun paleo baby foods or, or toys or whatever. And there was nothing, nothing for babies. And, you know, we she was friends with the CEO of Paleo FX. She was like, Michelle, where's the baby stuff? She's like, you know, I ask myself that every year. I'm always wondering, when is somebody going to start, you know, paleo baby food or baby products? And so, you know, we, so she thought, oh, well, I guess we'll just need to make our own baby food. And, you know, I, I was in a, a place of an entrepreneurial mindset. I was tired of our, for our services and had read for our work week and was looking for a product to start. And as we learned, I learned more about the, 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 the product gap and thought maybe this is an opportunity that we could create something for our baby that also makes us money and helps us change the world. And then she got really into the nutrition side and she's the nutrition nerd and learned all about what babies need nutritionally and spent her summer of nerddom she calls it of 2016 really digging into all the science of, of, of you know everything from paleo bloggers to the usda's guide to infant feeding which is a real mm-hmm. page turner, you know yeah um and they all basically agreed everything from the government to paleo to everyone was pretty clear that babies need meat fat vegetables they don't need sugar Right there, anything inflammatory should be avoided, and uh, the breast milk is nature's perfect baby food. That's what it came down to: was nature already made a perfect baby food, breast milk, and breast milk is mostly fat and carbs, and is an animal product um, with with some protein. And so, essentially, we're going from this perfect food, fat, fat, protein, and carbs from an animal, um, I'd say a free range animal, yeah. uh, to fruit. The baby food aisle was all fruit. It's just carbs, 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 carbs some grains, some industrial seed oils. So it's like all stuff we didn't eat. 
very high in sugar and very imbalanced from a nutritional standpoint and nothing like breast milk. And so we're like, what if we made, we took the macronutrients of breast milk, that fat, carb, protein ratio and mimicked that with pasture-raised meats and organic vegetables and healthy oils like avocado and olive oil and you know created a very different kind of baby food and we went into the kitchen started making it started passing out to our friends with babies we're driving it all over town to, to babies to try it and landed on some really great recipes our beef and chicken recipes which are our first products that are, are still some of our most popular products uh the the grass-fed beef with sweet potato and kale um and the free-range chicken with organic pea and carrot were our really first two recipes that came out and it took us a long time to get them launched. It was a very hard production process, about two years to get them to market. But then they launched the same day our baby was born. Stop it. It was crazy. In the process, we got pregnant. Our baby Della was, you know, we planned to launch the products a lot sooner. They were late. Baby came two weeks early and it all happened on the same day. Which that was is crazy. Totally crazy. Always meant to be. And, you know, the products have continued to grow up with her. I love it. That is great. So did you guys like, I mean, how involved were you in like the formulation? It sounds like you guys created kind of everything. 100%. In our kitchen, we, we actually lived in a co-op at the time. So we had like nine roommates. We had to like reserve the kitchen for baby food making oh purees. So we were like making these purees at our, at our communal kitchen and our roommates were like trying them and we it passed them out to babies. And that's still how we make all of our recipes we make first. We make them in our kitchen, you know, or we have a on-site test kitchen now, but the, the taste and the quality and the formulation, we do a lot to get that right before sending it to factories. I love it. And then like sourcing, like tell me about where you guys are sourcing a lot of your ingredients from. Yeah. Sourcing was really important for me. My mom grew up on a family farm in Southern Missouri. So I grew up seeing that lifestyle of the living with animals and how they're connected to the to the environment, but also how hard it is economically for them. And then the paleo movement really highlighted the nutritional benefits of pasture-raised and regeneratively farmed meats, that, that how an animal is raised really affects its nutrition. So both from wanting to be most nutrient-dense possible for babies and wanting to support family farms like my grandparents, we committed to that really early, that we were going to only source family farm pasture-raised meats. And uh, we got introduced to the founders of Epic Bar, Taylor and Katie, really amazing folks. They were six months pregnant and just sold Epic Bar to General Mills, so they had a little bit of free time. And they sat down with us and really helped us create our sourcing strategy. They talked, they taught us about regenerative agriculture and how important that was. It was much newer at the time then. Had they started oh. Force of Nature at this point or not yet? No, this was before oh, Force okay. of Nature. This was before Rome Ranch. They were still they just sold. They were still working at Epic. They were probably still, yeah, working for General Mills or whatever. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They were in that transition stage. And so they actually told us not to start, not to ever do a bison baby food because Bison was so hard to find. Like we have such a hard time finding bison. Don't ever do bison baby food. And now they went and started a bison ranch who yeah. supplies our bison baby food. <laughs> so they like solved that problem. And now we can have regeneratively farmed bison baby food. So, you know, I, I'm also a really big environmentalist. I, in college, I was sitting in trees and I was vegan and, you know, cooking, you know, food, not bombs, this like vegan dumpster dive food for homeless people. And was chaining myself to bulldozers. I was like really radical environmentalist, and I still am. So it was a really when I learned about regenerative agriculture and the ability for meat to, you know, sequester carbon, make the planet better. 
reverse climate change while also providing really nutritious food, sustainable life for farmers, better life, humane life for animals, makes babies healthier, tastes great. Like it was just like, wow, this is almost too good to be true. This is what we got to do. So we committed to that regenerative supply chain and have really built that out. It didn't exist nearly as much when we started. Now there's much more of a supply chain. And so that's really helped us grow our businesses. That's grown, but it's the future. Regenerative is the new organic. Like it's really the way, one of the biggest tools we have to, to reverse climate change. Yeah. I'm all about the regenerative agriculture. It's yeah. like so fascinating. And cows play like, I don't know, such a big part of that. It's like, huge. Really are huge. Yeah. yeah, I feel like people don't even understand. Like I didn't even, I was like, Oh, I love regenerative agriculture, but you just like, it's becoming like greenwashed almost like it's it's hard to even understand like what that truly means but yeah it's yeah i mean break it down break it down, I think yeah, break it down. so you know put very simply there's degenerative agriculture which is like most factory farming it's destroying the land year after layer the land is being stripped of its nutrients uh there's sustainable agriculture which is like do no harm leave it as we found it most organic systems or uh, sustainable systems are, are more like that. Regenerative agriculture is we're actually making the land better. We're leaving it better than we found it. And the way to do that is to mimic nature. You have to raise plants and animals in, the, in a very in this very similar way as they live naturally in, in the wild. And animals are a key part of any ecosystem. So for, for to separate animal agriculture and plant agriculture, is one of the worst things that ever happens, one of the most degenerative processes to take it away. So regenerative agriculture is all about bringing animals back in, using them in the way that they're used in nature, uh, rotating them, combining different species, and testing soil to demonstrate soil microbial growth because the soil will tell you if it's being regenerated or not by how alive it is. The soil has these microbes. The more there are, the more life force there is. The benefits of soil microbial growth are like less water runoff in, in some cases more even more rain like it's creating more rain from the soil and and then it sequesters carbon those soil microbes actually absorb carbon from the atmosphere and turn it into grass and, and plant life that then the animals eat and then they they leave their excrement which creates more grass and plant life um, and so ruminants are one of the easiest ways to do this because you can raise ruminants on land that you can't raise agriculture on that's desertified and you can actually turn desert into grasslands by strategically grazing ruminants bringing ruminants in to eat what little grass there is leave by their excrement come back do it again and it's this rotational grazing model that produces more food per acre in the end produces a much more quality product has a much better life for the animal and actually pulls carbon out of the atmosphere and is reversing climate change yeah, I love it. Thank you for breaking that down for us. Yeah. And so you guys are supporting a lot of these type of ranchers, farmers. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, our meat and our baby food is all very carefully sourced uh, where we partner with Land to Market, which yeah. is a, a certification program that verifies that the they actually test soil. It's one of the only verification certifications that uh, – actually is about the result, not just practices. So it's not just, oh, if you do this and that, you get the certification. No, you actually have to prove your land was regenerated. They soil test every year. And the farmers to get a land to market verification have to prove that their land is being regenerative or is being regenerated. And so I think that's that's the future of the environmental movement is to really 
look at is the what is the impact? Is carbon actually being sequestered? Is there soil microbial growth? Is there less runoff? And does it really matter what practices they use? If that's the outcome, you yeah. know, then, then that's that's what we want we want to get to. And so our farmers, you know, practice that. They soil test and they, you know, really are uh, in some ways they call themselves grass farmers. They're growing yeah. grass. Yeah, I love it. It's great. I love that you guys are supporting those kind of operations. It's, it's very cool. Um, okay, so you guys have your food, and then you got into formula too, right? Yeah, we did. So we have three different product lines. We have our our meat, our original meat and veggie pouches, uh, which are still the, the most popular products. They're blends of regenerative meat and veggies and healthy fats like avocado or olive oil. We also have veggie fat pouches that are vegetables blended with with avocado or olive oil. Um, you know, so there's no meat in those, but there's still balance of fat and, 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 and carbs. Uh, we have these bone broth pouches that are meat, veggies, and bone broth, plus herbs and spices, so they taste uh, more palatable for an older older child or even a lot of adults like those. Then we launched our puff, which is our chewable, uh, green, it's a green-free uh, olive oil, bone broth, and vegetable puff that's a little chewable. You don't need teeth to eat it, just dissolves. Yeah. We have the puffs, and then the hardest, the most awesome product that we're really proud of is this is this formula product, and this came out late last year, about five months before the formula crisis hit. So it was a very crazy time yeah. to be making formula, but it really came from uh, our daughter weaning early. She weaned from breast milk at nine months, which was much earlier. I was gonna breastfeed her until she was in college or something. Yeah. Or so it wasn't me getting breastfeed. Not you. Right. Not me, but yeah, but <laughs> I got as far, you know, we were going to, we were going to be like late breastfeeding kind of parents, yeah. like two, three years old, whatever. And she just wasn't having it. She just wasn't having it. She was just done. And so we had to start supplementing with formula and there was just nothing that started to the yeah. like, like even the European ones still have industrial seed oil, still weren't the right protein source, still often had, you know, syrups or, or bad carb sources, bad fats. And so it really lit a fire under her to, to change that. So as soon as we could, she started developing this formula. Um, so this is our grass-fed whole milk A2 formula, uh, the base of which is A2 whole milk. We're one of the only formulas to actually have whole milk. Most milk, most formulas are non-fat milk. They take the really important fat out. So we started with whole milk. It's and then A2. they add back in canola and soybean. Industrial seed oils. Yeah, it's awful. It's like non-fat milk, industrial seed oil, and corn syrup is the majority of most yeah. of the formulas. Believe me. I wanted it's to launch outrageous. a formula company like five years yeah. ago. I was like, I want to launch a formula company. This is terrible what's on the market. And then I think most health-minded moms who have to use formula like have this, this problem. So we really wanted to, to answer that. So, you know, we partnered with the Alexander Family Farm in California that are some of the longest regenerative farmers in the country. They've been regenerating land with cows, both through beef and dairy. They also have chickens and pork and eggs, and they have like a whole multi-species uh, pro- pro- project they're doing there. Yeah. Really amazing people. They create a- A2 milk, which is, uh, you know, most milk in this country has this genetic mutation in their protein source. We bred cows for quantity of milk rather than quantity, rather than quality. And so in that breeding process, somehow the milk got, the protein in the milk got mutated uh, to be less digest. And it turns out to be less digestible. A1 protein is, it, it can be very irritating to the gut. Some people can't handle it at all. Some people tolerate it and some people are fine. But a lot of people with milk allergies, it turns out it's mostly the A1 protein. So people who can drink goat's milk, but they can't drink 
cow's milk, that's because of the protein. So goat is A2, camel milk's A2, breast milk is A2, pretty much all other mammals are A2 except cows that have been genetically mutated. So they, so the, so Alexander really specialized in like breeding cows that are, have not been mutated that are still A2, uh, creating A2 proteins in their milk, which is much more like breast milk, much easier to digest. So that was the basis of, of our product. Uh, and then the fat, you know, to, we kept the whole milk in, but then we created this, this fat profile. Uh, Dr. Sarah Valentine, the paleo mom, spent hours and hours and hours reading every nutritional study on breast milk ever written in English globally. So looking at global breast milk composition, she mapped the nutritional breast milk, looked at hundreds of other ingredients and created, you know, a, a rest, helped us create a recipe that mimics breast milk more than anything ever created you know, down to the, to the molecular level. And of course, breast, nothing's ever better than breast milk. It's still amazing, but you know, we wanted to create as close as possible. So the, the, the hardest thing to mimic was the fat profile. The fats in breast milk are crazy magical. And so we have eight fat sources in our formula to, to the mixing together all these different kinds of fats to get to as close as we could. Most all other formulas have maybe one you know, usually industrial seed oil, yeah. even the newer formulas have maybe two or three, but usually one of them is still industrial seed oil. And so, you know, we took out the industrial seed oil. What are the eight sources? I'm so curious. Oh yeah. Let me tell you about these eight sources. So, uh, so the whole milk from the, from, from milk is, is yeah. the number one. Uh, and then we've got coconut oil. Okay. Uh, we've got olive oil. We've got uh, a little bit of palm oil, for, which is the most best source of palmitic acid, which breast milk is very high in palmitic acid. So okay. organically, like a uh, sustainably sourced palm oil. Oh, We've got uh, cocoa butter, which is a very, we're the only ones that ever use cocoa butter in formula, but a really amazing fat source that also tastes really great. Uh, we've got algae oil from wild algae, which also uh, contains a lot of DHA. So that's our DHA source as well as some fat source. Um, and then we've got uh, uh, organic sunflower lechicin and organic egg lechicin, which are both fat sources. And even though, it, but which is still totally safe for people with an egg allergy, egg lechicin is not, does not hurt people with egg allergy. So yeah. it was a really good fat source. Uh, so really great fat source. We upgraded the vitamin pro profile a lot. So like I said, DHA from wild algae instead of, you know, synthetic vitamins, um, and then the carb source, we use lactose, which is the carbs in, in breast milk. So it's the only, the only major carb source is, is lactose. We had some prebiotic fiber in there from inulin, which is also really unique. There's very rarely fiber in formula, even though breast milk has fiber. Um, and uh, we don't use any methylated, we use only methylated vitamins. So folic acid is a primary ingredient in almost every formula, and it's inflammatory to about half the population, anybody yeah. with an MFHR gene. So we use methylated B instead of the folic acid, and it's one of the. It's a complicated thing to understand, but one of the for health-minded parents who understand what happens with people with that MTHR gene, which both Serena and I have, so we assume our daughter has. It's it's a, it can be, it's essentially poison, like it's toxic to people yeah. with MTHR. So would, yeah, you know, they can't detox. Yeah, they can't process it. Yeah, like becomes poison in their liver. So um, Serenity understands that science a bunch, a lot better than me. So people can do their own research and learn learn about that. That folic acid is a real problem, and so that was one of the the hold your nose and use ingredients that we had to do when we use formula. That we're really happy to have a formula now to take that we're able to take it out. I love it. Fabulous. Yeah. I the know. last thing I want to say is it is classified as a toddler formula. 
Yeah. Because the FDA's process for getting infants certified is so hard, which is why we had that formula shortage, was because the FDA makes it so hard to become an infant formula that basically three major pharmaceutical companies control all the infant formula in this country. And so we were, in order to get our product out and in the market, we have to call it toddler formula, and we're only allowed to recommend it for babies 12 months and older. Yeah. So moms have to do their own research to determine if it's safe for their baby, work with your health practitioner, you know, to decide what's safe for your baby. You know, so all I can say is it contains the 29 nutrients required for infant formula. It's made in an infant formula facility. We designed it to be, you know, the nutritional quality for infants, you know, based on breast milk. Um, and we are in the process of trying to become infant certified, but it just takes a long time. Okay. That was going to be my question. Are you guys working towards the infant oh, yeah. We want to do it. It's just slow. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Believe yeah. me. I encountered that when I, I'm telling you, I was like dead serious about launching a formula company like five years ago. And I was yeah. like, oh, this sounds like a nightmare. Right. I don't want to deal with this that. Is it. Yeah, <laughs> it is a nightmare. Yeah. yeah for sure. Um, well, that's fabulous. And I have to tell you, uh, my oldest. Uh, he like lives on your beef pouches. So at his like, I never, I think this is the secret for parents listening. Like if you never gave your kids the fruit pouches, which I never did, I just always only gave them serenity pouches. They like don't know those other ones really exist. Like even applesauce pouches or anything, like we don't have any of those, then they're totally fine with the savory pouches because they don't like know any different. But I think Sometimes a lot of moms are like, oh, I wish I never would have given my kids the fruity ones because now I'm having a hard time like switching them over. You know, you got to It's just a little more challenging. But I, I, um, hey, if he refuses dinner, the only thing my oldest is allowed to have when he's telling me he's hungry before bed is a serenity beef pouch. We actually have them in his room because I was sick of having him go downstairs. So he has like one drawer that has like nighttime diapers and like 15 beef pouches in it. and he has one before bed. So thank you for yeah. my snack. Sure. Yeah. It's a common problem. The fruit pouches are so sweet, you know, and then they expect to get that sweet from the pouch and it's yeah. not it's surprising. So we tell parents if you're, if you've been using the fruit pouches and you want to switch to ours, what the, the vegetable pouches are the, the easiest crossover. This is the organic roots pouch. It's sweet potato, carrot, beet, and olive oil. And tastes, it's, you know, because it's sweet potato, carrot, and beet, like it is a little sweeter. It's still very low in sugar, like it's uh, only four grams of sugar, uh, which is high for us, but but low for the industry. Um, but, it, but it tastes sweeter, so it's like a little bit of a good transition. Uh, and then the chicken, pea, and carrot is also a little sweeter because of the carrot and pea. Um, and so, you know, kind of starting with the veggies and then starting with the, this chicken pouch is sort of a good transition to move it into, move it, move them into it. But depending on how old they are, you just have to have the conversation with them. Like, hey, this is going to taste a little different. It's not sweet. It's more like the food you're eating. Some You can also put it in a bowl or feed it with a spoon to start so that they're not expecting the, the fruit oh, interesting. experience. Yeah. You know, so that's a good way to say, hey, this is more like soup or more like food that you've been eating. It's not the sweet fruit pouch. Yeah. Uh, a lot of parents succeed in, in transitioning their kids over or, or, or using mixture, especially as you enter into those picky eating phases where they're hungry, but they don't like anything you made them. You know, the, yeah. some of our meat veggie pouches are great to be like, well, at least they got some calories in there. Yeah, no, good, for sure. good nutrients that aren't just fruit, you know, that they're yeah. easy for them to eat. Yeah, dinner's like such a battle, I feel like, for us. So it's nice to know that like before bed, at least we're getting some nutrients in. So that's great. So what is a typical day? How old? You guys just have one, right? 
one uh-huh. yep, four. Da- your daughter and she's four. Okay. Same, similar to mine. Um, and so what is like, what's the diet like nowadays for you guys? I'm curious is for your family, what, what eating? Yeah. Like? So breakfast, uh, you know, she really likes eggs still, uh, right now she likes circle eggs, which is basically a hard boil, a hard fried egg with, we break up the yolk. She doesn't like runny yolk or yolk by itself, but if it's mixed in, she likes it kind of marmalized. So she likes that. She likes the Applegate sausages, the little pork sausages. She's a big fan of. Egg Life makes these egg tortilla wraps that we make a quesadilla with. And we we actually use the Viola Life cheese because Della can't really do dairy too much. So we use the like dairy-free cheese with these egg white wrap to make a quesadilla. And she loves those. And it's like six grams of protein per wrap. It's awesome. Oh, what Uh, are those? I need to, I need to get those. Egg Life. Yeah, they're great. They're, I get them at Sprouts. I don't okay. know where else you can get them. Yeah. yeah, they're literally egg white wraps. They look like a tortilla, but they're made just of egg white. Oh, genius. Yep. So, you know, so that would, you know, she loves the sweet potato spinach pouch. So if she has pro- enough protein, we might let her have a sweet potato spinach pouch uh, with breakfast because it's a good little veggie fat carb source. Um, and uh, we make her uh, in the winter, which just now started, she drinks a hot cocoa, you know, Sterling and I both have morning coffee, so she likes to take part in that ritual. And we use the fat fuel powdered uh, hot cocoa mix, and we mix in uh, half half a scoop of that and a half scoop of of Kelly Levesque's beef protein isolate. Yeah, which is a really amazing powdered beef protein. We used to use collagen before that, but now Be Well by Kelly is her brand, and it's this amazing beef isolate that is. You can't really taste that much in a smoothie or in hot chocolate. So she's gets a real protein fat blend in her in her hot chocolate. We just put a little boiling water, blend it up like a like a bulletproof coffee. You know, we just blend it like we do our coffees, and then she drinks that, and it's added fat and protein that feels like a treat to her. Yeah, we do that with our kids too. They like have little mini coffee cups and they're like the boys are really into like wanting coffee too. I mean, yeah. I don't we neither well, my husband does a little bit. I just drink matcha, but and we also buy we we use Be Well by Kelly's beef protein. Yeah. We also use Primal Kitchen's chocolate collagen. It's really good as a shameless plug, but it's really good as a <laughs> As a, kid is, hot, yeah. as a kid's hot chocolate too. So I, I love that. Uh, yeah. And then what does dinner look like for you guys? So dinner she eats, we try to give her food, what we're eating as much as possible, you know, so we always give her what, some of whatever we're eating, uh, but her, you know, hero foods, we call them like the foods that she'll always eat, uh, hot dogs, so we get the grass-fed beef, hot dogs, um, she really likes sliced meats as well, so Applegate's ham or Applegate's turkey are um, common things, she, she'll eat little chunks of chicken, She's actually been really into soups lately, so she'll eat like ch- shredded chicken and uh, tortilla, chicken tortilla soup. She loved that as a baby too. She's obsessed with chicken tortilla soup. What a riot. Uh, you know, bone, or now, now she calls it Nana, Nana soup, which my mom makes her bone, chicken bone broth with shredded chicken and then these homemade noodles. My mom makes noodles from almond flour, egg, and the Be Wild by Kelly protein. So oh, wow. What? Yeah, it's a really risk off to send you. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's labor intensive. I mean, you have to like roll it out and okay. cut it up and freeze it. And like it's a pain on my, if, if uh, I didn't have my mom doing it, I wouldn't do it. But she loves those noodles. Um, otherwise, the lentil noodles are fine. She likes the lentil noodles. The Ventilliars and the lentil noodles um, are you know, pretty good protein. protein yeah. And then lots of butter, lots of fat with butter on everything. You know, she loves butters. Yeah. 
Sounds very sounds very familiar. Yeah, carrot Love sticks, it. olives. She's a huge olive fan. She eats the crap out of green and black olives. So that's almost every meal. She's eating all sort of her main vegetable sources. I love it. We have fruits. Uh, but she'll eat a little carrot sticks, um, you know, and so we, vegetables are hard. That's the hardest thing. Like we get her to eat a lot of meat. The fat's pretty good. Veggies are tough, you know, so it's just the, the pouches end up being a big source of vegetables yeah. for her, which is kind of embarrassing, but. They're all the, yeah, it changes at that age pretty quickly. My oldest is like so easy to eat vegetables, but like we can't get him to eat meat besides these beef pouches. And my middle one will dip any meat in mayonnaise and he's fine. And he (laughs) won't eat any vegetables. It's like, it's a crap shoot. Well, between the two of them, they're super (laughs) Yeah. And a a third, we have a 12 week old. So it's like three boys. I know it's crazy. Um, and you're awake. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm awake. Uh, the, this baby sleeps better than our middle one. So it's such as life. But um, okay. So tell me, what do you think the biggest challenge has been with starting this company from scratch? Whew, lots of challenges. Uh, you know, my first thought that right now, our biggest challenge is people. Is It's all people oriented. Uh, finding people, retaining people, keeping people happy, dealing with their, you know, uh, needs. That was, that's been the uh, sort of surprisingly hard and how, how hard it is. We have 30 employees now. Sorry, and I've never run a company before. So, you know, it's like everything is new all the time and everybody wants things. Everybody's, you know, jealous and, uh, you know, other people's stuff. Like we can't do one thing for one person and then other people jealous. So it's like, uh, you know, now we've got the great resignation where there's all this pressure on comp and working from home. And so we've done a lot to build a, a company culture that's really amazing. I'm really proud of the, the culture we've built. And I think our staff would tell you we have a really great culture. And um, that doesn't mean there are issues or problems or people complaining or people quitting or getting other offers. So, so, that's, been, so that's been really hard. Uh, deal, there's a lot of unknowns. There's so many, nothing goes according to plan. Yeah. So our product's not launching for two years as an example of like, we're going to launch these in six months, you know, and then it takes two years and launches the day our baby's born, you know, so just really constantly understanding we cannot control outcomes. Like we have to just do our best to make a plan and things change and we can adapt to it, that there's, you know, nothing's going to be how, how we had planned it to be ever. Yeah. I hear that. People is just the hardest part, though. It's, it's really hard. Yeah. It's hard relationships and community and family drama. We're like their parents. Yeah. You know, like we're, we get all the, their parental wounds are projected onto us or previous bosses or whatever. So, yeah. you know, regardless of how hard we try to to be caring and to show how much we care, to be fair, to, to create a good workplace. There's always people who like are, you know, can't see that, that only see mistakes we made or only yeah. see, you know, us as, as the evil boss or parents that they have. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Um, okay. Some rapid fire questions for you. What are you most excited about in health and wellness these days? Ooh, well, regenerative agriculture, huge for, for health and wellness, uh, fat being back, like more and more fat, uh, and the, the importance of healthy fats getting out there. Uh, those are my two big ones. I love it. Who's inspiring you these days? Oh man. Uh, inspire, I'm su- super inspired by our, by our farmers and all the companies that are, you know, bringing meat back, you know, force of nature, Epic bar, Applegate, yeah. 
you know, um, and you know, your guys' products with the, the animal proteins, you know, that really are saying meat is a health food and we've got to have it back and we're going to fight all the, um, the, the bad rap that meat has got. Yeah. Okay. I love it. What's the worst thing you've ever done for your own health? Oh, the worst thing I've done for my own health. Wow. That's a really good one. Um, I mean, I used to, I mean, as a kid, I lived on canned ravioli and nachos. So I didn't know any better. My mom didn't know any better. Right. So that's my first thought. That I was the least healthy as a child eating processed foods. Uh, I still have a Seven Eleven nacho craving about once a year. And so I, I was, I wore a glucose monitor the last time I ate them and it was, it was like bad. Insane, like the worst. Like 180 bad or how? What are you yeah, talking? like 150, 160 bad, bad. And like all night long, like it was like I didn't oh. even And then I went to bed and like my whole, all night, it was just like all over the place. So really? recently those seven little nachos were <laughs> pretty bad health choice. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Well, once a year. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. Let's see. What is, this is my last question. This is my favorite question I ask everyone this, and you're a pretty open book. So I'm very curious how you'll answer this, but what's something most people don't know about you? I like extreme sports. So anybody in my immediate life knows this, but I don't think you'd know right off the bat that I'm like, a like I compete with water ski. I'm a competitive water skier. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a, just like a, it's not like national competition. It's like very local friendly. Yeah. You know, amateur league competition. Are you? A, do you do barefoot? Are you like a barefoot water skier? Or Never barefooted. My my dad. I have barefooted. I just it wasn't into my dad and his friends all barefooted all growing up. But I did do it at one point. Said so I did it, but it wasn't as fun. I like the speed of slalom skiing, so I'm yeah. a speed guy. Yeah. So the slalom is fun because it's like you're really fast yeah. across the wakes. So speed ski, you know, water skiing, snow skiing, uh, hang gliding. Uh, mountain biking, I'm a, you know, extreme sports speed junkie. I love it. That's great. Well, thank you so much. It was so great to hear your story firsthand and spend more time with you. Let everyone know where they can find you guys, like what stores you're in and how to keep in touch. Totally. We're, uh, we have an awesome website, myserenitykids.com, where you can get all of our stuff. We have a really strong subscription program, so you can set it, forget it, get big discounts. Uh, and then we're on Amazon as well, Drive Market, most other online stores. But then we're in almost every retail, we're in 10,000 retail stores nationwide. So all, all the natural channel, special, all, you know, Whole Foods carries all of our products nationwide, Sprouts, Natural Grocer, those kind of places, co-ops, but really a lot of conventional too. We're in most Walmarts, we're in a lot of Targets, we're in Kroger nationwide, you know, so we, there's a store locator on our website if you want to find a retail, a retail location, but pretty much we're getting to be pretty much everywhere. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you spending time with us today. Thank you. We love your products. You know, Mark and, and Primal Kitchen have been huge inspirations for us. And we stock all the salad dressings. We have like 10 of your salad dressings in our office. It's the only salad dressing we use here or at home. So I love you. it. They're so good. Thanks for the support. All yeah. right. Talk soon.